right, we're back to another Sound of Battle Cry. The name of the message today is Perpetual Thanksgiving, the Vital Importance and Application of Thankfulness. And today we're not going to be talking about the holiday of Thanksgiving, really. We're not going to be talking about that and arguing about anything related to that. But we're going to be talking about the concept of Thanksgiving in general, being thankful, uh, thankfulness as a an attitude in, in your life uh, and the importance of that. Uh, you know, this is a big issue. This is a big problem, actually, today. Uh, a lot of people are not thankful. They are not thankful enough. And, and some people might even think that they are, and they're actually not. They take a lot of things for granted. And, you know, there's a lot of symptoms that we can, we're can we going to see that show that people are unthankful, that you may not be paying attention to, but I'm going to show you today. And so, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about some negative things in the beginning about unthankfulness, but we're going to it's not going to be long a long section. The vast majority of this teaching is going going to be an in-depth study on thankfulness, thanksgiving, giving of thanks. Uh, and like it says in the title, it's the importance of it and the application of it. How it should be applied to every aspect of your life. And you're going to see that scripture has a lot to say about this. More than you might think. Okay, so we're going to get into this starting with the sin of unthankfulness. This is clearly talked about in the Bible, warning you about being unthankful. So let's get into that. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that... When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Okay, so this is all of the lost people in the world throughout history. They understand that there is a creator by looking at the creation. That's what it says right here in Romans chapter 1. Okay, it says that they are without excuse when they look at the creation. They know there's a creator. It didn't just pop out of nowhere, nothing exploded, and then here we are. No, that's ridiculous. They know there's a creator. But then when they knew God, they did not glorify him. And they were not thankful because God has blessed every single person that has ever existed, is blessed with life, is blessed with many other things that God gives for them. He allows them to have food and, and many other blessings, and they're not thankful for any of it. They're not thankful to God. Let's continue. Here's another one about this. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This talks about the last days. It says right here, uh, 2 Timothy 3.1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. We're here. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters. Covetous is related to this, by the way. Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. Okay, so one of these characteristics that is listed in, you know, these characteristics of people in the last days is unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Okay, so we have that description there of the general characteristic of a lot of people in the last days and unthankful is listed. Okay? Neither were they thankful, unthankful, 
And so now let's look into uh, unthankfulness a little bit more. Murmuring and complaining is a fruit of unthankfulness. Let's look at Jude 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment. By the way, this is talking about the the, uh, return of Christ, the second coming of Jesus. To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. Now this gives us some insight. Okay, because who are we talking about here? Well, it says that these are ungodly sinners that have been saying bad things about Jesus, spoken against Jesus. And when he comes back, he's going to execute his judgment on them. But when it talks about the ungodly sinners, it says these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. Complainers walk after their own lusts, which means they are never satisfied with what they have, but are in a constant state of covetousness. And as you may know, thou shalt not covet anything of thy neighbors is one of the Ten Commandments. And to covet is to desire something that someone else has that you do not have and it is also to think that if you had that thing then you would be happy then you would feel so much better if you only had that thing that material thing could be anything and that is what covetousness is and it means you are never satisfied with what you have doesn't matter how much you have, you're never satisfied. And that's what it means to walk after your own lust because lusting after things is coveting after things. And Paul said Paul said that. He said, I had not known lust. The law had said, thou shalt not covet. That's to lust after something. So lust isn't just to lust after a another human. It is can be also after things. Lusting after material objects. And when you walk after your own lusts, you are not satisfied. And when you're not satisfied with what you have, you're going to complain. That's how this works. You're going to complain about your current state and say, I don't have what I want. If I only had this and this, then I would be better. I would feel better. And so you complain. Oh, it's awful. I don't have what I want. I can never have what I want and these types of things. You start complaining. And so you walk after your own lust and you're never satisfied. What's the Bible have to say about that? Proverbs 27, 20. Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Just in the same way that no matter how many people go to hell, it's never full. Never full. And, and that is the comparison that is used for the eyes of man. The eyes of man are never satisfied. Everything he sees and then he obtains, that's not enough. He needs more, needs more, and needs more. Let's look at another one. Ecclesiastes 5.10 He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. 
nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity, worthless. Okay? He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. What does that mean? If you set your, you know, we have to use, we have to obtain and use money in this world. That's a fact, right? We know that. That's not bad. But it says love. Just like it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. The love of money. And when you love money, or as it says here, loving silver, gold, whatever it may be, when you set your heart upon those treasures of the earth, then you're not going to be satisfied with those things. Because you should be satisfied, we'll talk about this more later, with God. And when you're not, you're going to seek that in other places. And people have many people have testified to this and guess what no one listens i've read many statements by very wealthy people eight figure even nine figure millionaires and they say you know when i got to 1 million i didn't think uh oh, you know what i'm good or i got to 5 million they thought they would have felt different, but they didn't. They don't get to, to 5 million and go, you know what? That's enough. I'm good. No, that's not true. That's not how they feel. That's not how most people feel. They say, I need more because I know I can do more and I can do this and I can do that. They want to go to the next mountaintop and to the next one, to the next one. They just want to keep going and going and going. Right? That's what they do. Now, what does it mean to love the money? Well, you're pursuing it. You're chasing it. That's what all your focus is on. But also, you love it more than other things in life. And it may cause you to hurt people, do things you shouldn't do, do immoral things to get the money, maybe to lie and be deceptive. And that's all you're pursuing to the neglect of other good things in life and important things. All your focus is on that thing. And guess what? You will never, ever be satisfied with that. And so that's why there's complaining. Because they're not satisfied. They are not satisfied and complain because they do not fear God. That is actually at the root of it. Proverbs 19.23 The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. And he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Okay? So, it says plainly here. It's talking about the fear of the Lord. It tendeth to life. And then it says, He that hath it has what? What is it? The fear of the Lord. He that hath the fear of the Lord shall abide satisfied. Will be satisfied with what God has given them. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't set goals for yourself, try to improve your life, work hard to improve your situation. That's not what it's talking about. It just means in your present situation, you are not covetous. You are not complaining about your circumstances and acting like a perpetual victim. Oh, I can't believe I'm in this situation and I don't have what I think I should have and all these things. And you start complaining. That's because you don't fear God. If you're doing that, the fear of God 
would restrain you, would restrain your tongue from uttering such unthankful things. Okay? And some, you know, people love to argue about this. Well, satisfaction is the death of desire and, and ambition and you'll never achieve anything in life if you're satisfied. That's, that's a perversion of it. You're talking about a perversion of, of this. You can be satisfied with where you're at in life. What God has, you know, ordained that you're at, he allowed you to be in, the circumstances you're allowed to be in, in you know, maybe you got off track. Maybe some bad things happen and set you back. You're not going to start complaining is the point. You're going to say, okay, I'm here where I'm at and that's what God is, has uh, allowed to happen. I'm not going to complain about it. And I'm still going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to have a good attitude about it. And then if God wills and I work hard, then maybe my situation will improve in the future and I'll be happy and satisfied when I'm here and when I'm there. So it doesn't mean, oh, I'm satisfied and now I don't try to improve my life. No. In fact, the Bible talks against that, okay? Because over and over in Proverbs, I know how how um, non-Christians like to attack this attitude. So I'm just, I'm just focusing on that for a second. Okay? The Bible talks over and over again. Go look at the book of Proverbs. It talks over and over again against being lazy, against being slothful, against the sluggard. Okay? There's many Proverbs about that, talking about the importance and the value of hard work which improves people's situation. And it talks about that, how when you work hard, you will obtain more uh, uh, material goods and, and things that you need, and that's fine. It says even that the uh, you know the righteous leaves an inheritance to their children's children, and that's fine. Okay? So don't get it twisted when I say the word satisfied. Don't try to pervert that. Okay? But if you are not satisfied, you are complaining, and you are complaining because you do not fear God, because God does not like complaining. They should fear complaining. They should fear complaining because, uh, I'm sorry, before the God that made them and that has blessed them abundantly far above what they deserve. That is the core of the issue here. You don't deserve anything. Do you understand that? None of us do. None of us deserve to have any good thing. The smallest blessing in this world, we do not. Why? What do you mean we don't deserve anything? What do you mean? Well, because we have all sinned against a righteous and holy God, a good God. The Bible says that. There, uh, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. All the righteousnesses are as filthy rags in his sight. Okay? There is none that doeth good. They have all gone astray. All these things that it says about us, we have sinned over and over and over again against God. We don't deserve any good blessings. We deserve to be punished for our sin. But guess what? God still blesses anyway. We have no right to complain. Let's look at God's character. This brings us to God's character. God is so good, merciful, 
and long-suffering, that he is kind even to the unthankful. Even those who are not thankful. Let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Wow. So Jesus is saying here, He's saying, you should follow the example of God. Look to the example of God. What is the example? The example is that God is kind to the unthankful. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He gives them bountiful blessings. They have food and clothing and shelter and all these things. Amazing, abundant blessings. And they're not thankful for any of it. They're not thankful for anything they have in their lives. They never give thanks to God. And guess what? He still blesses them with those things. He allows them to continue on with their lives day after day, breathing up his air, walking around in the creation that he made, partaking of the fruits of the earth, even though they are not thankful. And even beyond that, blaspheme him. Rebel against him. Despise him. Despise the word of God. Despise those that preach the word of God. Despise the gospel. Spit upon the sacrifice of Christ. And he still is kind to the unthankful. And Jesus said, you know, there's the example that you should follow, Christian. Christians should follow the example of love your enemies and do good, even lending to people, hoping for nothing again, hoping that they don't give back to you. Why? Because God does that. He gives to millions of people who are unthankful and don't give back to him. Don't even, not only don't give back to him, don't even say thank you. So if you ever give something to someone, they don't give back and they don't say thank you, that's okay. Now you know how God feels. Because he does it every day and he has been doing it for thousands of years. And we should follow his example. Jesus told us to. But that's God's character. So good, merciful, and long-suffering that he is kind to the unthankful. And because God is gracious, merciful, full of compassion, and slow to anger, he is good to all. That's what the Bible says. Psalms 145, verse 8, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Okay? God is good to all, to everyone. And yet, they are unthankful. They do not appreciate what God is doing. And they, they don't appreciate God. They don't appreciate Him for who He is. They're not thankful for anything. But He's still good to them. Because, again, we're focusing on the character of God. Because God is good, gracious, merciful, full of compassion, slow to anger, that's why He is good to all. Because of His character. That is who He is. And we should be thankful for that. Okay, and so that brings us to what we should be thankful for. So let me wrap this up about the unthankfulness. 
because now we're going to transition to the to the thankfulness. It is a great sin, very bad sin to be unthankful to God. And it is an expression of unthankfulness to complain, to murmur. And, and, and that shows that you're walking after your own lust. You are not satisfied with what God has, has allowed you to have. That's why you complain. It is because you do not fear God. And you do not see God for who He is. His, how good He is. You do not appreciate God for who He is. And you do not appreciate His blessings. That is a very bad sin. And if, th- if that is you, you should be convicted about it and you need to repent. Jesus said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Okay, so let's continue. Now, that's unthankfulness. We know that's bad. Now let's go to the next part. This brings us to what we should be thankful for. That's what we need to focus on for the rest of the message is about thankfulness. First, we're going to talk about what we should be thankful for. And the first thing is, we should be thankful for God. And who God is. And the Bible has some things to say about that. Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. Wow. Have you ever thought about giving thanks to God because he is holy. That you are thankful that God is a holy God. And what does that mean? It means God is perfect. He is without sin. It means that God is against evil. He is a righteous and holy God that cannot stand evil. And you know, when you see all the evil in the world today, and you think everyone's going to get away with it, and a lot of people do in this life so far, No one from Epstein's Black Book has been arrested. Right? Oh, they're just going to get away with it. Not so. No, they're not. Because why? Because God is holy. That's why. As it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. They will all stand before God to give an account of everything that they have done. All the evil. And no one will escape. No one will get off the hook. It says, the Bible says that God will by no means acquit the wicked. He will by no means clear the guilty. They will be judged. They will not get away with it. And that's why you should be thankful at the remembrance of God's holiness. You want God to be holy. Next, Psalm 119.62. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. This goes along with what I just said. We are thankful to God that he is a righteous judge, not that he is a corrupt judge. And, you know, people often like to hear about God judging extreme cases, things that they think they would never do. Oh, I would never murder someone or anything like that. Yes, I want God to judge those people. Right? They just don't want God to judge them with righteous judgment. But that's the, you know, God's not going to judge us according to our standards, but according to his standard. That's what the Bible says. It's what Paul was preaching on on Mars Hill. 
He said, God is appointed today in the which he will judge the world in righteousness according to God's standard of righteousness, which is his commandments, not his word, not according to your feelings and whims or the what is considered good and bad in the culture that you live in in a specific period of time in history on, on earth. No. It's according to his standard. He will judge righteous judgment. And we should give thanks unto God that he will do that. Next, 1 Chronicles 16, 34. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Okay, so we talk about God's holiness and his righteous judgments, but also there are other attributes of God. God is not only holy, righteous, and just. He is also merciful, good, full of compassion. Okay, we should be thankful that God is also good and merciful. And, and I have a message that talks all about this intersection of God's holiness and justice with his, uh, you know, mercy and compassion. And it's, you know, the God of the Bible versus uh, Christianity today. Sorry, the name of the message is the God of modern Christianity versus the God of the Bible. Okay, that's the name of the message. And, and that's exactly what I talk about. That God is not only holy and righteous, or he is not also the other extreme, only love and mercy and compassion and graciousness, which is a lot of what is preached in, in the Western world in modern Christianity. That's, they say only God is love, God is love, God is love, but they don't talk about his holiness. And guess what? These attributes do not contradict and they intersect in the sacrifice on the cross when Jesus died for our sins. That is the intersection of God's holiness and his love and mercy. Okay, so go, go check that message out. But that's why we should be thankful to God. Another reason, because God is good and he is merciful. Here's another one. Psalm 136. One, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. Again, we are giving thanks to God for who he is. Just because of who he is. He is Lord of lords. He is God of gods. He is good. He is merciful. He is holy. He is a righteous judge. All these attributes of God, we should give thanks to God for that and praise him for those things and appreciate that that is the God that we have to deal with and that made us and that we are able to serve. He is a good God. Okay, so these these are things that we should, you know, and, and if you want to meditate upon these things, you need to be reading the word of God. Read the Psalms, and we'll talk a lot about the character of God and, and the things that you, it will point out the things that you should be praising him for, being thankful to God for, okay, for who God is. Now, here's another point. Not being satisfied and thankful with the true God leads to spiritual adultery, which is idolatry, okay? That is a fact. If you 
do not, if you're not thankful to the true God, you're not satisfied with that God, you will turn to other gods. And that's what happened in the Bible many times. Ezekiel 16, 28. Thou hast played the whore also with the Assyrians, because thou wast unsatiable, which means never satisfied. Yea, thou hast played the harlot with them, and yet couldst not be satisfied. Thou hast moreover multiplied thy fornication in the land of Canaan unto Chaldea, and yet thou wast not satisfied therewith. Never satisfied. And so since they're not, they weren't satisfied. This was in the Old Testament. Israel wasn't satisfied with the true God. The one that they should be worshiping and appreciating and being thankful to. They turned to other gods, false gods, idolatry, which is spiritual adultery. That's why it says they played the whore. They played the harlot because they were not satisfied with God. And that's what will happen to you. If you are not satisfied with God, you will turn to other things to try to satisfy yourself. If you're walking after your own lusts, you will say, well, God doesn't satisfy me. I need other things. But to satisfy your flesh is what it is. You're walking after the flesh, not after the spirit. You're seeking things to satisfy the flesh, but it is never satisfied. It is a bottomless pit. And it never says it is enough. And so you keep chasing this and chasing that and you never find what you're looking for. You're never satisfied. Like Mick Jagger said, I can't get no satisfaction. Never. No matter what they do. Because you're not satisfied with God. That's what will happen to you. Not thankful to God. And Jeremiah 31, 14 says, And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. That's what happens when you are in the right way with God. You will be satisfied with the goodness of God. And it will keep you from committing spiritual adultery on God and turning to other things, other gods, when you are satisfied and thankful to to the true God. Okay, next thing that we should be thankful for, God's spiritual blessings. And the first one we're going to be talking about is in 2 Corinthians 9.15, which says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, what is this unspeakable gift? Well, there is one gift that that could be said about. And it's in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the gift, which is the unspeakable gift. And what does it mean it's unspeakable? It cannot be described in words how precious and amazing this gift is, the gift of God of eternal life through Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins. How could he die for us? Why would he want to? We don't deserve that gift. That's what grace means, unmerited favor. We didn't earn it. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of works, you trying to do good things and trying to earn it. It's unmerited favor. It is by grace. 
And that's why it is an unspeakable gift. And, and the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life for us. Left heaven to come be born in this stinky world. Suffer all these things. Took our sin, the punishment from our sins. Died for our sins. Rose again from the dead to give us the gift of eternal life. That is an unspeakable gift. And guess what? That's what we should be thankful for more than anything. We should be thankful more than anything for Jesus Christ and what he did for us. We should thank God every single day. If you are saved, you should thank God every day. Thank you, God, for saving my soul. That should be something you thank God for every single day. Okay? Next, which is associated with this, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. Now, look at this comment here. It's actually in the dictionary, 1828 Webster's Dictionary, under the entry for love. Look at this statement. Love. If our hearts are right, we love God above all things as the sum of all excellence and all the attributes which can communicate happiness to intelligent beings. In other words, the Christian loves God with the, com- with the love of complacency in his attributes, the love of benevolence towards the interests of his kingdom, and the love of gratitude for favors received. Okay? So to show when we, we love God, we show love to God, we, are, we have an attitude of gratitude. We are thankful for what he has done for us because he first loved us in dying for us. That's why we love him and we show our love by by being thankful to him and saying that we are thankful. Thank you, God. Next one. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's another thing you should be thankful for. Are you thankful to God whenever he has given you victory? You go through many trials and tribulations in life. Many, you know, troublesome situations. And then when you get through that situation, you come out on the other side and God gives you the victory. Are you thankful to him? Sometimes do you bring it up to yourself and say, remember that time when God delivered you out of that situation and helped you through that time? then you should be thanks to God that gave you the victory. And we also had victory through our Lord Jesus Christ when we were born again. Victory over the old man who is dead. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. We should be thankful for that victory. And any other time that we have victory in our life over the devil's kingdom. Let's continue. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be unto God which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Again, we should be thankful to God whenever he has us to triumph in Christ, giving us spiritual victories, spiritual blessings that we have in in the Christian life, walking with God. Always be thankful to God for these spiritual things. Ephesians 1.15 Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, 
This is another spiritual blessing that we should remember to be thankful for. Is It says here, cease not to give thanks for you. What is he talking about? Other saints. We should be thankful. We know that this is a time of apostasy that we live in, the falling away, and it's hard to find good fellowship. We know that. It's hard to find good churches. It's hard to find fellowship. But whenever you find it, even if it's just one person that you can talk to on the internet, whatever it is, make sure that you are thankful to God for that. Give thanks to God for that other saint or saints, whatever it is that you can have at least a little bit of fellowship with anyone that you can have that with. That is a very valuable thing. That is not a common thing, especially nowadays. So give thanks to God for that. That is a spiritual blessing. Here's another one about that. First Thessalonians 1, 2. We give thanks to God always for you all making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Okay, so again, giving thanks to God in your prayers for other saints and also those that are doing things for the kingdom of God. Though It says, what does it say? Their work of faith, their labor of love, their patience of hope. You know, they were doing work to expand the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel, doing things like, you know, whatever, good works, other things like that. You, If you know any saints that are doing things like that, give thanks to God for them and encourage them. That is something to be thankful for whenever you see that happening. Okay, so these are some spiritual blessings to think about. There's many other spiritual blessings, whatever it is, you know, spiritual blessings that God has blessed you with in your life. Always remember to, first of all, be thankful, but also be, uh, tell God that you are thankful. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for the saints. Thank you for this and, and, and you know all these spiritual things, these blessings that God has given you. And uh, so that's that covers the spiritual things. Now we're going to look onto the material things, God's material and physical blessings. And this is actually talked about more in the Bible because people tend to complain more about material things and physical things and so there's a little bit more focus on that in the bible so we're gonna we're gonna uh, drill down into that earlier we saw how those that are covetous are not satisfied with what they have and so they complain remember that okay now the opposite attitude of covetousness is contentment okay so remember that in your mind mark that down write it down somewhere the opposite of con- of covetousness is contentment. Okay? You want to have contentment, an attitude of contentment. Let's continue. Content. What does that mean? In the dictionary, to satisfy the mind, to make quiet so as to stop complaint or opposition. Okay? So look at these two things that are here under content. To satisfy Okay, remember we said someone complains, they're they're not satisfied. And then the next thing it says to stop complaint. Because those that aren't satisfied will complain. Those that are unthankful will complain. So, so you see here how content contentment is the opposite of unthankfulness and covetousness. To be content is to be satisfied with what God has given you, and this will stop you from complaining. Contentment is an attitude of thankfulness. That's what contentment is. It is an attitude of thankfulness to God specifically. 
And it is spoken about multiple times in the scriptures, especially in relation to material needs. And we're going to look at those verses right now. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So think about this. God put covetousness and content back to back to show a contrast. Showing that you should not be covetous, but instead should be content. They are opposed to each other. If you're content, you're not going to be covetous. If you're covetous, you are not content. Okay? A lot of people don't want to admit that they're covetous. But if you are not content and you complain and you're unthankful, you are covetous. You are. And you need to repent of that. But the Bible says, instead, we should be content with such things as ye have because God has blessed you with those things. And then what does it follow up with? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God will never forsake you. He knows what you have and what you don't have. He knows what you need and what you don't need. And a lot of times, you're mixing together your wants with your needs. Okay? But God knows what you need. He hasn't abandoned you. If you don't have something right now in your life that you think that you need, you that you want, but he hasn't given it to you yet, well, he doesn't think that you need it yet. Keep praying. And understand, God hasn't abandoned you. It hasn't, it's not that he hasn't heard you. He will never forsake you. But maybe you need to repent of, of your attitude and be content with such things as you have. Let's continue. Philippians 4.11 Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased at the bottom all the way down with barely anything. And I know how to abound with abundant blessings. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. A lot of times that verse is just quoted, right, by itself. I can do all things through Christ. And and people like uh, love to just quote that out of context. Like it just means like it's like this uh, random verse they can use to say, I can do anything like they're Superman. I can win you know, a, a football game. I could do all things through Christ. That's not what it's it meaning actually in this context. It's talking about I can be content whether I'm abased or whether I abound. I can have an attitude of contentment. That's actually what it means. I can do all things through Christ. I can, I can have that victory and have the right attitude in any situation that I'm in. I can have a godly attitude of thankfulness. And contentment. That's what it means. I can do all things through Christ. Okay. It's not so you can do your, your little hobby and, and bring glory to yourself. That's not what it means. It means in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. And a lot of times people have in in this country, especially in the United States and the Western world, we have so much abundant blessings of food. You can, and even if you're homeless, you can go down to, to shelter. There's all kinds of places that give out free food. There's restaurants that just dump all kinds of perfectly good food and dumpsters. You can get food everywhere, tons of food everywhere. A lot of people have never suffered hunger. They don't even know what it means to be hungry. But it might be good for them if they had gone through that a little bit. If you go through being hungry a little bit, 
it'd be good for you. Okay? Paul said, I've learned to be content no matter what state I'm in. And saying, okay, God has allowed me to be in the situation that I'm in right now. I'm not going to complain about it, have a bad attitude, and be unthankful. I'm just going to be thankful to God and I'm going to deal with the situation I'm in. And I'm going to pray, hey, you know, if I'm in a low situation, I'm abased. You know, I pray God may change the situation in the future. But for right now, I'll be content with where I'm at until God decides to bring me out of this situation. But right now, he has me in the fire, going through a fiery trial, which is, by the way, good for you. As Job said, he know when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That's the purpose of the trial. Burn off the dross. Some people don't want to go in the fire. They just want to have magically have all this faith. Not magically. You don't want to use magic, but I'm just saying it's a bad figure of speech to talk about how just out of nowhere... You're just going to have faith. Well, no, you don't have that without going through trials. You don't go that through being lazy and sitting on your couch and never going through any suffering throughout your entire life. That just doesn't happen. Never has happened in history. In fact, before, you know, uh, uh, you know, our modern day times, the United States with, the, with all the religious liberty, it never was that way because there was so much persecution all over the world, especially by the Catholic Church. And people had to flee to different places. They were persecuted. They definitely suffered hunger. And they didn't have crazy amounts of abundant food everywhere they went. They could just go down five minutes to the grocery store and have any food that they wanted. That didn't happen throughout history. Okay? So we are the we have it better than anyone in the past with those things. And yet people still complain still complain when they have everything that they could need for their material needs still complain and they're unthankful paul said no whatever state i'm in therewith be content an attitude of contentment first timothy chapter 6 verse 6 but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out and having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Food and clothing. It's just talking about the basic necessities of life. What we need to survive. Food, nutrition, clothing, shelter. We need, you know, vehicles. Whatever we need to function in life. There's certain things that we have to have to get by. And we should be content with those things and not always needing more and more things that we don't need. They're wants. Godliness with contentment is great gain, the Bible says. And think about this point. We brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Do you understand that? That no, everything you accumulate in life, you're not going to bring with you. You can't bring anything with you when you die. You can't carry it out. What, are you going to bring a a U-Haul trailer to your funeral? No. It's all going to be gone. 
can't take it with you. So you have to think about your priorities in life. What is the most important thing? Well, the most important thing is not material things. I'll tell you that much. The most important thing are spiritual things. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel, and all the spiritual things contained in the word of God. God tells you what the most important things are. And when you don't have your mind on those things, you're going to put them on something else, material things. But if you have an attitude of contentment, you're not going to do that. You're going to be content with, with what God has given you. He's given you what you need to exist. Be thankful. And here's the next one. Giving thanks for food. I'm going to specifically focus on food here because it is talked about so much in the Bible. It really is. Many times. Let's look at it. Matthew 15, 36. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Okay, so Jesus had this food, right? Bread and fish. And before they ate, it says he gave thanks. Who did he give thanks to? He gave thanks to God, right? Let's read a few more. Acts 27, 34. Wherefore, I pray you, to take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not a hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Okay, so Paul the Apostle does the same thing. He took the bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. Gave thanks to God for the food. 1 Timothy 4.3 Forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats. He's talking about false teachers, right? Which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Okay? Now, before I comment on that verse, let me just back up a second and talk about how how often, and, and I didn't include every single instance, but many instances in the Bible, Jesus gave thanks, other apostles gave thanks when food was eaten. Every time food is eaten, they give thanks to God. And I think that's something that we should all do. Before every meal that you eat, I'm serious, every meal you have, you should give thanks to God. Thank you, God, for this food. Please bless this food in our bodies. Help us to be thankful for everything that we have. And that's and that's it. Just say a little prayer. Be thankful for every time that you eat. Say thanks to God. I always find it very suspicious when people just start eating and they don't give thanks to God. Very suspicious when they're professing Christian. It's very strange to me. Because they always give thanks to God when they ate in the Bible. We should give, be thankful for every meal that we have. It is a blessing from God every time. So make sure you're thankful for that. And, and we, we tend to take for granted things like that that, are, that we have every day, multiple times a day. It becomes so common that we forget how much of a blessing it is. You try to, you got to shake that off. You got to get that out of your head and say, no. It is important. I shouldn't take it for granted. I should appreciate every little thing I have. It is a blessing from God. And we're talking about the food here in this instance. Now, back to this verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 
this verse is um, specifically talking about, you know, uh, the Judaizers telling people, you know, you still need to follow the dietary laws and, and avoid unclean food, unclean meats and these types of things. And that was abolished, 100% abolished in the New Testament. And uh, and so that's what this verse is, this passage is talking about when it says every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. Give thanks to God no matter what it is. Okay, so if you have some type of food and it doesn't matter if it's clean or unclean meat, whatever it is, just make sure that you you cook it really well. You don't want any parasites. But uh, you know it says it's to be received with thanksgiving. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what it's talking about. Now, I want to say one more thing. It says, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Just a little word of caution here. This doesn't mean when you have, uh, you know, some really bad junk food in front of you. You got some Twinkies and some Big Macs in front of you. That you pray over that and now all of a sudden... The food is healthy. That's just not true. That doesn't mean you are sanctifying that food to make it healthy for you. And, and then you you will not get sick because you prayed over that food. And you might wonder why I'm saying that. Well, I'm saying it because I've heard people talk like this before, unfortunately. They they have this ridiculous notion in their head. Let me disabuse you of that notion. It's false. Okay, That's not what the Bible is saying. Sanctified means set apart for the use of God. Sanctified means, you. what did it just say in the previous verse? If it be received with thanksgiving. You are being thankful to God that he has given you something. Okay? And, you know, when it's one of these unclean animals, yeah, there may be some issues with some of them, like scavengers, but some of them, not so much. Again, it's all in the way you prepare it. And also, there's a big difference between something that is raised the right way and something that's fed a bunch of junk. But when you're talking about food that you know is completely processed, filled with chemicals and preservatives and all these things, and you say, God bless this food and be a blessing to our body, it's it's not just going to all of a sudden be healthy and have the nutrients that you need. It's just not. You also have to use your noggin a little bit and try to eat, you know, healthy food. Okay, so please don't try to use that as an excuse. But anyways, we're talking about being thanks, thankful here is to be received with thanksgiving. Over and over again, food to be received with thanks. Next uh, blessing is uh, giving thanks for healing of illness whenever that happens. Let, let's read this real quick. Luke 17, 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood far off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were not there ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Okay, so ten lepers, 
They were all cleansed. They were all healed by Jesus. But only one turned around, gave glory to God, fell at the feet of Jesus, and gave him thanks. Only one did. Okay? And Jesus made a point to put that in here, to point this out, that there was one that gave thanks. And I want you to see how important it is. If there is any type of healing of illness, make sure that you give plenty of thanks to God no matter what it is, even if it's, you know, just something short, uh, uh, even just a, you just get a cold or whatever it is, whenever there is healing, give thanks to God. Something to be thankful for. Next is giving thanks for deliverance from enemies. Psalm eighteen forty eight. He delivereth me from mine enemies. Yea, thou liftest me up above those that rise up against me. Uh, and thou hast delivered me from the violent man. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Okay? So, they are delivered from enemies, delivered from the violent man. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord. Okay? And that's something you also have to think about. If you ever delivered from someone, maybe someone is going after you. Maybe someone's persecuting you. Maybe someone's slandering you. Whatever it is, whatever the situation is, whenever you get out of that situation, don't forget to give thanks to God who helped you to get out of that situation and to deliver you. And um, that's another thing to be thankful for, another physical thing. And then in general, what we should be thankful, thankful for, always thankful for all things. Here's some verses on that. Ephesians 5.20 Giving thanks always for all things unto, the, unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Okay, so we listed a bunch of things to be thankful for but you can apply this to anything and everything. Always be thankful for all things. Everything that you have, everything you can think of it's always good to give thanks to God as much as you can. That is called having an attitude of thankfulness. Uh, Psalm seventy nine thirteen. So we thy people and sheep of thy pasture will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. There's another one. Okay, next section. How we show thankfulness to God. This is the last section to end the teaching. This is very important. How we show thankfulness to God. Okay, so we, we talked about what we should be thankful to God for, who God is, spiritual blessings from God, material and physical blessings from God, all those different types of things. But how do we show thankfulness to God? The Bible has a bit to say about that. So let's look. First thing is sacrifice. Sacrifice, the Bible talks about over and over again, is the number one way to show thankfulness to God. Psalm 107, 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. So see, there you go. Right off the bat, we have a verse that associates sacrifice with thanksgiving, the sacrifices of thanksgiving. Let's continue. Psalm 116, 17. I will offer thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. There it is again. 
Now, what type of sacrifice are we talking about? Well, first of all, living sacrifice of obedience. Romans 12.1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, this is how I want you to think about this. Think about everything that God has done for you, especially, you know, think about all the blessings, but especially think about what Jesus Christ has done for you. He died for you, took your sin, the punishment for your sin, all that, gave you the gift of eternal life, saved your soul, adopted you into his kingdom, justified you, all these things. When it says, this is your reasonable service, this is the least that you can do. To show your thankfulness to God is to present your body a living sacrifice. To present your entire life to God in obedience to God is your reasonable service. The least you can do. Even if you gave your whole life and then you did it again a thousand times, it would never, ever repay what Jesus Christ has done for you. Never. Nothing you can ever do. Nothing everyone in the world could ever do could pay Christ back for what he has done for us. And so the least we can do is present our bodies a living sacrifice to show our thankfulness to God. And that means our lives should be presented to God that we should desire to do what God wants us to do as he is revealed to us in the scriptures, in the word of God. That is to present your body a living sacrifice. It is to be dead to the world and everything the world wants you to do, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You're dead to all that. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And so you sacrifice everything that everybody else is chasing in the world. You die to all that and you instead say, I am going to turn my back on all that, sacrifice everything that was desired, and instead I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Be a living sacrifice. That's how you show uh, thankfulness with a life of sacrificial obedience. Next one. Luke 17, 7. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is which was our duty to do. See that? This is talking about that same attitude. Jesus is saying, when you do all these things in obeying God, living a life of sacrificial obedience to God as a living sacrifice, you don't look around saying, oh, you know, where's my thankfulness? Where's my pat on the back from God? No, you don't deserve anything. You understand that? We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. It is your duty to obey God and to show thankfulness to him. It is not even, 
It couldn't even imagine anything else. Anything else is unthankfulness to God. Anything else is unthankfulness. It is your duty to serve God. And to have this attitude, well, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be alive and to be able to serve God. And that even though I deserve to be punished for my sins, God has mercy on me. He had mercy on me. And I am thankful and I am glad to be able to serve him. And it doesn't matter. I don't need to get anything in return. I will still serve. It is my duty. That's showing thankfulness. Next is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle. That See how he had that attitude? I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church of God. He felt bad about that, that he used to persecute Christians. He said, I'm not worthy to be this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Now, Paul was showing his attitude of thankfulness. He said, you know what? I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle at all. But, you know, by God's grace, I am. And God didn't bestow his grace upon me for no reason. I'm not going to let it go to waste. And so what did he say? I labored more abundantly than they all. I took that grace and ran with it. And I'm showing my thankfulness to God for having mercy on me, which I didn't deserve. I'm showing my thankfulness by laboring. And serving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength as much as I can is a living sacrifice of obedience to show my thankfulness. That's what it is. And here's another one expressing the same idea. Luke 7.40. Really think about what this means. Um... Yeah, Luke 7, 40. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. You are correct. The one who was forgiven most. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Okay? Now, how does this relate? Well, it relates because if you know, if you are forgiven of a lot of sin, and you know that you are forgiven of a lot of sin, that will cause you to have an attitude of love and of, and you want to express that love with an attitude of thankfulness by serving and doing something back, anything that you can to the one who forgave you. This is 
and she's doing this these things for Jesus Christ. He is the one that died for our sins. And so when you are forgiven of many sins, you should love Jesus Christ very much, right? You should love much because you're forgiven of much. And then what did Jesus say in John 14, 15? If you love me, keep my commandments. See that correlation right there? If you, you okay, so you're forgiven of many sins, therefore you love Jesus. And then Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So you show your love to Jesus by obedience, by obeying him. You show your thankfulness for him dying for your sins by obeying him. If you do not strive to obey him, I'm not saying you're going to be sinless, you're not, but you're striving to obey. You have an attitude of, I want to obey. If you have that attitude, you're showing your love towards him. If you do not strive to obey, you are not showing that you love Christ. You're just not. If you don't care what the word of God says, you have no interest in trying to you know, figure out what the word of God says and trying to obey it, you don't love Christ. You may say you do with your mouth, but your actions tell a different story. Okay? That is how thankfulness to Christ is expressed. And here's the next one, the sacrifice of praise. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, this is talked about multiple times in the Bible. It calls praising God a sacrifice. And guess what? God is pleased with that sacrifice. He says it specifically. But first here it says, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. This should be a habit that you are praising God on a continual basis with your lips the fruit of our lips. Let's look at the next one. Jonah 2.9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that, uh, pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Okay, so sacrifice of praise. But here it says sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving. So we have an association now with sacrifice and thanksgiving. Because when you are thankful, you show your thankfulness with sacrifice. And here, it is a sacrifice of praise. Now look at this one. Psalm 69, 30. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. See that? God plainly says that praising God with a song, magnifying him with thanksgiving, pleases God more than an animal sacrifice. Isn't that amazing? Okay, so you make sure you remember that. That's how important it is. And, it is, and the praising of God is viewed as a sacrifice. Hosea 14.2, take with you words and turn to the Lord, saying to him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, so will we render the calves of our lips. Now, what does that mean? The calves of our lips? Well, it's because calves, animals, were sacrificed. 
But it says calves of our lips because it is the sacrifice from the lips. It is praising God. That's that's rendering the calves of your lips. Psalm 95.1 Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Okay? So it doesn't just say to praise God. It also says to praise him with singing. Come into his presence with thanksgiving and sing unto the Lord. Okay, so you can just praise God just by talking. You give praise to God. Praise be to God Almighty. Glory and honor, dominion, power, majesty, blessing, and praise belongs to you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Was and is and is to come and forever shall be. You can praise God just by speaking, but you can also praise God through singing. The Bible tells you to do that in the New Testament. Singing, singing, uh, making a melody in your heart to the Lord. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing unto the Lord, praising Him. Psalm 147.7 Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God. Okay? Singing and praising with thanksgiving. So, that's another way of, of sac- showing your thankfulness with the sacrifice of praise. Praising God and praising God through Singing is showing thankfulness to God. Next is prayer. Okay? We'll go through this pretty quick. First Timothy 2.1 I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Every time you pray, you should be giving thanks to God. Thank you, God, like I said, for saving my soul, everything that you have, for providing for you. You know, for everything you have in your life, you know, maybe a job, shelter, food, clothing, you know, anything that happens in your life, always be thankful and praying to God for everything that you are thankful for. Give thanks to God every day. Instead of worrying, it's opposed to worrying, instead of worrying, make sure you are thankful to God for what he has already blessed you with and give thanks before your urgent request from God, right? Because a lot of times people get in a trap, something happens, oh man, I need to pray to God, but you should be praying at a regular basis, being thankful before you rush to say, oh, I need to make this urgent request. And we'll look at that right here. Um, Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. And that word careful in that verse means to be full of care, to have anxiety about something, worry about it. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. There it is again. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, supplication, if you look at the definition, it says entreaty. And entreaty means urgent prayer, earnest petition. That's what supplication is. So we have prayer, supplication, which is urgent prayer, with Thanksgiving. Those go together. So make sure if you have urgent prayer, you also have Thanksgiving, that you give thanks to God in your prayers uh, on a consistent basis. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. You have to be praying if you want that peace of God. You know, walk through, try to walk through uh, life 
living a spiritual life without praying and then expect to not have anxiety. You're going to have that if you're not praying. But if you want peace, pray to God, give thanks to God. Being thankful is just as important as watching for danger. Here's a verse on that. Colossians 4.2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Okay? You are not just going to pray, you're also going to watch, always watching out for danger. It says that a lot in the Bible, to pray and to watch. You have an attitude of being sober, of paying attention to what's going on in the world and for danger and the devil's kingdom and all these things. And it also says, in the same with thanksgiving. You always mix those together. And then another way you show your thankfulness to God is by telling others about the goodness of God. Psalm 26, 7. That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Okay, so tell others of the wondrous works of God with the voice of thanksgiving. Tell other people how good God is. Tell people your testimony, how God saved you, all the abundant blessings. Tell people about how God has answered prayer. You're praying to God and wow, God got you through this and he delivered you from this. And anytime, you know, some amazing situation happens and God gets you out of it, does something that seems out of the ordinary, tell people about it. Okay? That's showing thankfulness to God when you tell others about the goodness of God. Here's another one. First Chronicles 16.8 Give thanks unto the Lord to call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Make known His deeds. And that's how you're showing thanks. Tell people what God has done in your life. And then we're at the end here. Yep, we're at the end. Thanks. It's the last point I wanted to make. Thanksgiving is a fruit. Okay? Because we... We already covered, you know, ways to show thankfulness. That was like the last section. Um, ways that we show thankfulness to God. Sacrifice, sacrifice, living sacrifice of obedience, a life of obedience. Um, you know, prayer, praising God, praising with singing, all these things. Those are ways to show thankfulness to God. That's how you show thankfulness to God. Now, the last point I just want to make is that thanksgiving is a fruit. Thanksgiving is a fruit of salvation which can grow in bountifulness. And it says it right here, Colossians 2, 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Okay? So, you know, Paul was saying this is something that he wanted to see in these Christians' lives was that they should abound with thanksgiving. And that's what I want to see in your life, that you should abound with thanksgiving in your life. Be more thankful than you ever have for every single thing, for who God is, for everything that he does. Tell people about it. Uh, Praise him for all these things. Be thankful at all times. And that is something that should be abounding. You should be growing in thankfulness over time because guess what? The more time goes by, the more things that you have seen God do. The more blessings you have seen as time goes on year by year, you will have seen more and more blessings from God. And so you have more to be thankful for. So make sure you remember that as well. 
And this is the true spiritual, perpetual thanksgiving. Psalms 104. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And that's the end of the message. I hope that was a blessing to you. Please like, share, and subscribe. And especially go to the description and and, uh, click on the link for the Telegram feed. Make sure you subscribe to that where you get all the PDFs of the notes, uncensored news. You'll find me there if I get censored. Check everything else out in the description. Thank you for all the prayers, all the support, and the comments, and the gifts, and everything else. God bless you, and have a good day.